the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. finer days of pro wrestling a day when we kind of were easily digesting this is coming off thanksgiving uh the wrestling world uh and this topic there's really not many people i could pick out of the uh, the universe to discuss this with me but a first time ever crossover and venturing his way into the new generation world uh the one and only mr midnight mike joining me midnight mike it's not midnight am i breaking the gimmick you're not it's not midnight <laughs> That 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 whole gimmick came out uh, a long time ago when we first started the show, and we used to record around midnight because we were in our early twenties. And uh, you know, now I'm pretty much forty, so can't do midnight anymore. So this is perfect. It's midnight, uh, mid. It's not even midday, Mike. No, <laughs> it's late no. morning, Mike. Today. <laughs> yeah, that's okay though. Uh, that's all right, but we're going to talk about, uh, and this is very genre niche specific. Uh, WWF superstars from the new generation era venturing their way out of the ring and onto either the silver screen or to the boob tube as we look at cameos by these World Wrestling Federation superstars in movies and television from only the new generation era. Now, there's a lot of wrestling cameos on TVs and movies in this time, but we don't talk about other uh, federations and other companies. So we're specific to the WWF. No, so that's why, uh, that's why you didn't, because I, I thought it landed in this time frame uh, when WCW was on Baywatch. Yes, it did. Yeah, but we're it, not talking about that. They, it might as well not even happened because <laughs> we don't care. We don't care about anybody outside, uh, uh, and that includes, and this would have been a big one because it also blurs the line. Thunder and Paradise technically oh. fell under the WWF original uh, end of the Hogan era, but continued in WCW. So when guys like Sting were in Thunder in Paradise, it was under WCW. So again, might as well not even exist in our world. But would that but but would that even count? Because I mean, that's not even necessarily. I mean, it's a cameo, quote unquote. But it's the Hogan show, so <laughs> it's really just them doing stuff with Hogan. Yeah, but you know, uh, you got some other uh, journeyman actors on uh, Thunder in Paradise that might not have considered it a uh, just a Hogan show. They might have seen it as their gig. So they would say, "Oh, remember that guy Sting? He was a great cameo on Thunder in Paradise when I was, you know, the the bartender." <laughs> but before we get into any of that, and this is my favorite part of the show, let's talk about you and what you watched. Were you a a wrestling fan during this era? Yep. Yeah, I was one of the few people who stuck through. Like I started watching wrestling. Probably, I, I mean, I remember WrestleMania 1. I didn't watch it. Uh, WrestleMania 2, I remember, but I didn't watch it on any closed-circuit television or anything. The first thing that I ever did uh, with pay-per-views or anything like that 
was WrestleMania three. My dad took me to the theater at Madison Square Garden to watch WrestleMania three. Okay, uh, but never aside, a bad start. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what? I've I've been watching. I mean, I remember you know all the MTV stuff. I was very young at the time, uh, but my dad loved MTV when it first came out. So that was you know whatever. And then I stuck through the new generation era and i uh made it through the attitude era and i'd say i'd, I'd say i actually stopped watching wrestling truthfully right after the uh return of ecw or wwecw right and then i came back and watched a little bit in like 13 or 14 uh but yeah this time i was watching okay so the you know the new generation era obviously northeastern guy new york new jersey where, where are you from new york new jersey where, where's the midnight lair I am uh, Mars County, New Jersey. That's where I grew up, right outside of New York City. Well, not, you know, we had Essex in the middle. But, in, the, uh, in the shadows, as we would say, in the shadows yeah. of New York and City. And then I moved to Philly. I lived uh, when I was like 20-something, 23, 24. Uh, okay. Lived there for 11 years and then moved to Connecticut. Okay, well, we will hold the Philly part against you. We will continue <laughs> past the Philly part. I'm from central New Jersey, Monmouth County. So this era kind of sticks out to me being in that same age range that we most likely are in the late thirties, early forties, uh, where even though the business was kind of in a downside in New York and New Jersey, it might as well still have been 1985. It, the WWF was everywhere. You couldn't open a daily news every couple of weeks without seeing something related to the WWF or they were on, you know, the Thanksgiving parade. They were very New York centric because obviously of their ties to Connecticut and Stanford. Um, what did you like about this time that kept you? Was it just because you were a wrestling fan or was it just, you know, was it also uh, second nature? You'd stick with it or was there really nothing else that interested you? Uh, I would say it was probably force a habit. Uh, there, there was, I mean, I, thinking back at it, I, I, I can't remember anything. Like I remember when, when Hogan left, it was a real, uh, you know, kick in the gut for me where I was just like, I, I just didn't like, merchandise was coming out i don't know if you remember they for a while like right after hogan left they came out with a bunch of merch with cartoon characters of the wrestlers yeah. so that they had a jean jacket and it'd yes. be on the back it'd be like undertaker macho man lex luger and you know i don't know who the doink maybe, yeah doink and not it just really it was uneasy for me because i was i was a kid i didn't fully get it you know at this time i was 13 14 years old i guess 93 94 but uh, I, I watched out of habit. Uh, I remember enjoying some stuff. WrestleMania 10 was great. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of watched it out of habit until Attitude showed up. And then at that point, I was older. They grew up and it all worked out. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a, we fall into that weird class of like we, we really we were raised on the golden era and we were brought up in this era. And then by the time the Attitude era hit, we were like, you know, we were professors. We were pros of the wrestling world. Um, that jacket specific, I know exactly the one you're talking about. It is so not even the Federation years, you know, the 88, 89, it, it, it's even cartoony for that era. It really, it turned them into almost, they look like, like adolescent, like, like toddler. Yeah. Images. It was like, they made them look like, uh, like, uh, when they take care of like Muppet babies, mm -hmm. Muppets to Muppet babies, same yeah. thing. Wonder if that was a branding that we never got to see the, the WWF babies, you know, <laughs> Little doink. Today, you know what? In today's day and age, I feel like didn't Camp WWE kind of do something like this? I didn't really watch it. They did, but it was more, you know, I think Camp WWE was more supposed to be like a risque, like South Park oh, yeah, yeah. style of, uh, you know, controversial stuff. Clips that I've seen of it, 
I, I got to say the Vince character gets me every time. It's very funny. Uh, I guess Vince didn't get the joke, you know, that it was basically making fun of him. But uh, <laughs> very, it, it Camp WWE, I, I wouldn't say it's an under or over, you know what, but it's it's definitely worth a look or two if you uh, if you ever so need to just waste a few minutes of your life yeah. between taking a shit and watching your kids. <laughs> but but I, but I honestly feel like this, even in, in today or in the in the uh, new generation era, I feel like that that could have worked, you know, like a Saturday morning cartoon like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, but could would be those kind of cartoony children characters mm -hmm. of of uh, wrestling. So who was your guy during this era? Oh, God. I, I probably stuck with, I loved Macho Man from way back in the day. So I, I, I probably, I was, I remember sticking with him. I was not on board with the Lex Express. Um, <laughs> not when he did it, not when Wangland did it, not when anyone did it. Uh, <laughs> But uh oh geez, I, what were the tag teams? Oh, men on a mission. I didn't really. It was ah, uh, this was hard. I, I mean, Undertaker. I I like. I I even liked Undertaker versus Undertaker. I was one of the few people who was was down with that storyline. Um, but yeah, I'd say Undertaker and Macho Man were the guys I probably stuck around for. Well, much like Wangland, the Lex Express ran out of gas, uh, but definitely has a lot of shit in its mouth. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I love Lex Luger to death. But uh, the thing that I, I got to say like about a Lex Luger taking that Hogan spot with fans like us, we already knew who Lex Luger was. So we yeah. knew he was a bad guy from WCW. He was a good guy. He was a champion. So to see him now as touting the All-American uh, banner, it really... Um, it didn't sit well with the established new generation fan. I didn't mind a guy like Bret Hart. I really liked Bret Hart then. I love Bret Hart now. I could watch a Bret Hart match all day. And as I watch shows preparing for the podcast, you see how Bret really did go out of his way to help a lot of those guys that were coming up in the new generation, you know, scope. But we knew Bret as a tag team wrestler. So it was hard for some people to get behind guys they had seen Shawn Michaels is the top bad guy. Well, he was a rocker three years ago, you know, in green pants and, uh, you know, wild hair and whatever. It didn't, it didn't translate for a lot of established fans. And in the New York, New Jersey area, we tend to be a little bit more jaded, a little more gritty. So we don't really like the guys they want us to like. Yeah. Well, and Lex Luger, not only coming over from WCW, but when he, when he joined WWF, he was the narcissist. And then out of nowhere, they're just like, oh, by the way, he's all American and you love him. <laughs> and so that's a little bit weird. Um, Bret Hart, I loved him in the Hart Foundation. I, I liked his run for the Intercontinental title and when he had that title. But I was one of those, at the time, a brainwashed WWE fan who <laughs> didn't buy a small guy going for the world title. So it took me a while. And I think by the time I got okay with uh, a smaller guy holding the belt, I was a Sean guy. Okay. So I think that's what ended up happening there. See, I never crossed that Shawn Michaels like threshold. I, I, I still, like, I maybe, maybe more towards the DX era, Shawn Michaels, I started to really like, I like him a little bit. I liked him as a heel in like 92. But I wasn't on board with the uh, the baby face, uh, you know, stripper hat and the gloves and the chaps and all that stuff. Wasn't my cup of tea. Well, wardrobe aside, <laughs> I, I think I know. I think I started liking Sean before he went face. Uh, I liked him as the heel, and I think he was one of the first people where I started enjoying. Like I started growing up and going, wait a minute, I can like a heel. 
Like, there's no problem with liking a heel. And and that's, yeah, Sean was probably one of the first heels that I really liked. Uh, I mean, as a kid, looking back at it, I realized that I did like Piper and Macho Man and whatever. But at the time, I hated them. But looking back at it, you go, oh, well, you hated them. You hated them so much because they were doing their job. Right. So you did actually like them. Right. You know. And that's, yeah, we learned that as we go along. And <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. We learned it as we go along. Uh, crossing the wrestling uh, barrier here, what else were you into around this time? You know, were you, uh, ha- were you wearing your Stussy, uh, you know, uh, T-shirts, your No Fear jacket, you know, your, uh, your Converse uh, sneakers? Well, where were we at with the, uh, the trends? And then we'll move into the TV and the movies of the time. Uh, I can honestly say that I don't, I've never been a brand guy. So I've never, you know, fell into the, what, what, what wardrobe was popular at the time. I've worn the same thing from childhood till now, a t-shirt jeans and a hat. (laughs) So uh, I would say that my t-shirt and uh, hat uh, at the time would be probably the same as today. I'm wearing a Hogan's beach shirt. So I back in 90, back in the early nineties, whatever, I was probably wearing a Hulk Hogan shirt. Uh, and then my hat would be a Jets hat like I'm wearing now or a Yankee hat, uh, except the Jets logo would have that swoosh. Hey, yes, it would. It would have the Jet, like the jet style. Uh, yeah. Font. Okay. Wouldn't it have like very vibrant colors, you know, a lot of pastels, a lot of neon, <laughs> you know, well, come I, on. Yeah, well, I remember the, the hats that, that came out back then had, uh, I think they were L- LA gear. No, those were shoes. LA logo gear was shoes. Yep. Logo Athletic, I believe, and and they used to have the logo, and then the first one that came out had like the shark fins. Okay, Very and that nice. was around the seventy fifth and NFL anniversary, and then the next one that came out had like paint splatter. Right. So, yes. So the, the hats paint, were much yep. more loud. The paint splatter was huge for a few years there. Uh, the the painter's cap, you know, style, the 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 different colors of your team mixed in. Oh, and how can we forget your starter jacket? I'm sure you oh. had a litany of those. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I think I still have one of my Jets starter jackets. I have one of my Mets starter jackets. I got it for my birthday in 1993. I don't know why. My mom got it about eight sizes too big, and I could wear it tomorrow if I wanted to outside. And I actually I have. It's bright orange shoulders, blue sleeves, giant Mets logo on the back. Uh, I tend to stand out when I wear the Mets stuff and living in Virginia now. So it's a, it's a good little uh, you know breakup of the norm. So, all right, now let's cross over. Movies, TV. TGIF, uh, Ace Ventura, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the last action hero. These are the, the movies you think of the mid nineties. You think of that kind of, uh, film. Uh, what were some of your favorites from that time? Oh, you nailed it. I mean, TGIF, I watched every Friday night. So even though, I mean, once the lineup started changing too much, uh, I probably fell off as I grew up, but I definitely grew up on the full house family matter step-by-step uh and then there was a uh, perfect strangers perfect strangers uh, yeah or you'd have yeah. that 9 30 spot would be the rotating we're gonna try yeah. this one for the fall see if it works and if it doesn't by the spring it was replaced by something else the one with the baby that was supposed to be like look who's talking and oh god there's so many of them that you could go up and down a million times <laughs> yeah but i rem- honestly i do remember that i uh I did what I was really into sports at the time so i remember my favorite thing to do was to wake up before school and watch sports center and I think that came on after Camp Candy. Oh yeah, Camp Candy. That was a good one. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think I think I was mostly watching sports a lot. Like I remember back in this time, like I uh, I was uh, the, I was really watching a lot of the Knicks and the Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Magic because my my grandmother actually was friends with a lot of people who worked down there in Orlando, okay. and she had a house down there. So she would always send me signed like Shaq 
stuff. Uh, so I have a lot of original like Orlando Magic signed Shaquille O'Neal stuff uh, and the Knicks. So they had that go New York, go New York, go oh, that song. Best. And uh, I, that, 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 that's what I remember from the 93, 94, 95 area of watching TV is basketball. I don't even watch. I haven't watched basketball in a decade or 15 yeah. years. I retired from basketball in 99 after the Knicks lost to the Raptors. That okay. was I was I watched Jordan's comeback in 2001, but that was it. And hockey, I also the lockout in like 2001. I was done with hockey. I was a big Rangers fan. Knicks, Rangers, you know, Jets, Mets. That was me in the mid 90s. But you got a little spoiled in '96 with uh, that little run that that other team from the Bronx went on. But we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no. Well, the funny thing is, is that I always talk. People always will see my Jets stuff and they'll be like, "Oh, you're a Jets fan. I'm so sorry." Like that. And I'm like, look. If I was a most people in that area, if you're a Jets fan, you're a Mets fan. Yep. And I always say I, my life could be so much worse because I grew up a Yankee fan and I got all those championships and uh, stuff like that. And I'm a I, you're, you're a Rangers fan. I'm a Devils fan. So I watched all those championships. Yeah, you had so a good run. <laughs> yeah, they, they make being a Jets fan easier. I think people our age who grew up in the New York, New Jersey metro area in the 90s have a lot of confidence because they would watch sports and nine times out of 10, their team was winning because everybody was a Devils fan where I lived in Jersey. Everybody was a Devils fan except for me. They were winning every year. They're in the playoffs every year. The Yankees are dominating every year. So you kind of go through life with confidence because you think your sports team is going to win a championship. <laughs> well, so, yeah, well, even the Rangers were good in that time. So the Rangers were always competing. Uh, you, like you said, the, the Knicks were, were competing at the time. Uh, yeah. All, the, even didn't the Giants have a few good runs? Giants in, had a few years. The Jets, well, the, in the mid nineties is the, the rich Cotite, you know, the, yeah. the, uh, the, the, yeah. the terrible years. So the Jets are, we'll take out of the equation. The Giants had some good teams yeah. in the mid nineties. Um, you know, and then by the end of the nineties, the Mets would get good again, but this time in the nineties, the Mets were terrible. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, 94, the Yankees probably were going to the world series had they uh had the strike not happened yeah. um so you know this is a good sports time for the new york new jersey kid uh but you mentioned tgif and that's where we'll start with our little rundown i don't have a lot i have a couple and these are just ones that if anybody wants to go and find them they're all on youtube which is amazing short little clips uh little cameos you didn't get to see the wrestlers out of the ring this often. I'm not counting, you know, live with Regis and Kathy Lee because they were on there all the time. You know, I'm not talking about like Good Day Wisconsin if, uh, you know, Tatanka was on to promote the house show that was in town that night. I'm talking about a major production that all of a sudden, boom, a WWF uh, superstar pops up or in this case, two WWF superstars pop up because this one and we talk about TGIF is the one that stands out the most. And we're going to mention another TGIF after this, but the psycho twins taking on the bushwhackers in a wrestling themed episode of family matters where the bushwhackers kind of channel their inner sheep herders mid match in this very oddly shaped television studio uh, arena, I guess you call it. What do you remember about this? And uh, do you remember your first viewing of this episode? Uh, I, I remember the appearance but I'll tell you what I don't remember from the clip you're showing that you sent to me. Um, I know, you know, this is audio, but if, if it if, if, if the audience could hear it, they'd hear Urkel and uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Carl. Uh, Carl coming out to the gangsters theme. Oh, yeah. No, that was definitely <laughs> overdubbed. <laughs> that was overdubbed because I was going to ask you, I don't remember them even playing the Bushwhackers theme music. I, don't think I think they, they did. just played like a generic, you know, background. 
Yeah, I don't remember them playing the Bushwhackers theme either, and I don't know, I don't know if WWE would have allowed them to because they're coming out as a different named team. They're not yeah. coming out as the Bushwhackers, right? No, they are the Bushwhackers. Oh, they are. Okay. Yes, they are the Bushwhackers, and they do in the episode. They are reading WWF magazine, and I remember specifically because I had it. It was the one with Crush on the cover, where he's evil. Crush. He's pressing someone over his head, but the back cover is the psycho twins <laughs> it's not oh, okay it's not a wwf superstar so this is like they're pretending it's a wwf but it's not but classic steve urkel and carl as uh the psycho twins <laughs> well i i definitely think if people haven't seen it they need to go check out this version because seeing them come out to new jack or the gangster theme is so funny when it hit i popped so hard because i knew it wasn't in the episode but it's so funny to see them wheeled out and they're playing like a sabu kind of gimmick where they yeah, have to run weird. out like uh like uh what's his face from Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, yeah, they come out like um uh Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And they uh they they <laughs> they come out and hit the ring, climbing over it, throwing chairs in. It's a little bit of a uh of a cluster. But yeah, no, they would you they think, would you think the right right there when we just saw when Steve uh came up to the up on the ring apron, Carl was getting in over the top rope and Steve jumps it like this has to be a, a double, right? I would think so. I mean, he's not the most uh, athletic-looking guy in the world, but if it's a double, you can't really see right here. It's got to be. Yeah, so on the, the close-up, it's Steve, but I'm guessing that guy holding uh, Luke, these are probably two workers that are uh, getting paid yeah. to stand from behind. Because when Carl was getting in the ring, he was pushing down the, the top rope because he was going over the top, and Steve jumps up on the apron, jumps up to the top rope, and jumps into the ring with such grace. <laughs> that I'm like, there's no way that could be the character of Steve Urkel. Uh, well, I'm looking at the guy who landed in Eddie and Waldo's lap. That's Steve Urkel. So, I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> I thought this was performed live in front of a studio audience. What happened? <laughs> no, this, this was this was definitely a, a good appearance because, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Bushwhackers were used well. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I forget what led up to this. Somehow they had to replace the Psycho Twins for some reason. So Steve had a drink that uh, gave you some sort of, I think, like sleeping issue. And they thought it was they were warming up in the uh, the pregame part of the uh, the wrestling event. And they drank the drink and passed out. So since, ironically, Steve and Carl looked exactly like them, they took their place and nobody noticed because they're the Psycho Twins. Nice. And, and, and this was around the time when it became the Urkel show. So yes, every, yeah, so every storyline revolved around Urkel. And this is when he started creating potions and correct. like machines that could change things. And yeah. Uh, also bushwhackers uh, go from being the lovable bushwhackers to the mean bushwhackers when they find out that Carl was a cop. So they, uh, that's what causes <laughs> the riot at the end. Now the bushwhackers, let's just take them for a second. Not necessarily new generation no. spotlight, uh, talent although they're around the whole time kind of an odd choice for this uh this spot um i in, I, I mean i guess in a way i i agree it is a weird uh because they they were way past their major push and prime in the company but uh i don't think that wwe would have sent uh men on a mission or like we talked about earlier or someone like that because they're using them they need them for you know attendance and house shows or whatever they need so if they're like if uh whoever produced abc was like we need a, we need a tag team uh they probably looked at their roster and said okay well the bushwhackers we could do without for a week or two yeah, while they true. film 
It's a good point. I mean, you probably got to uh, re- uh, replace them on the house show circuit, taking on well done every night because that's yeah. all they basically <laughs> did. Uh, but yeah, no, nonetheless, I like it. Uh, but I got to say the um, the standout TGIF appearance of the World Wrestling Federation superstars goes to the man they call Vader, uh, 1996. Right. Now he's on multiple episodes of Bowie Meets World, and I believe he might have been on still while he was in WCW. But this one is explicitly a WWF produced segment uh, as we get to see. And, you know, having lived in Philadelphia for quite a while, as you mentioned, um, we get to see a clip of the Philadelphia Spectrum uh, a house show as the man they call Vader guest starring on the Boy Meets World episode number 74 takes on Jake the Snake Roberts <laughs> in the middle of the ring. What do you and, think and, about this one? And this was and this was uh Boy Meets World uh used this exact footage. This is produced for Boy Meets World. Wow. Because if you see, you got the guys here at ringside. Now I should have pulled it up, but the results from this night say that they filmed this match at this show. And you gotta watch if you watch Sean and Corey, the actors portraying them, when they're in the ring, they catch themselves for a minute and like celebrate in the ring. And you could tell that that was a legit moment. Uh, but this is great. I mean, when do you get to see 1996 clean footage from a house show like this? Yeah, I was going to say it's it's so well lit. And it's it's not the, the standard MSG kind of house show you'd see where it's so dark. Yeah. And that's, I mean, hey, that must have been really cool for the, uh, for the people in attendance because Boy Meets World was a pretty popular show. And I feel like uh, marketing at the time to the exact same age demographic. Yeah, and they were supposed to be in Philadelphia, so they kept the continuity of the show. Um, but it's just weird. You know, Vader is this uh, baby-faced dad, but he's still the heel. But then Jake kind of takes on the heel spot because Vader's defending the kids. Uh, but nonetheless, this is about as blatant a, a crossover as you could get to see a WWF match like this on a show. Now, the weird part is, and I'm sure he's talked about it on his uh, his podcast, Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard, uh, doing the ring announcing and now commentating, and also a very uh, silent Gerald Briscoe uh, sitting next to him as well at ringside. Yeah, I, I this I, I would actually be very interested in hearing uh, his his take on on how this was done because I mean I haven't heard that episode, but uh, you can also see that this is when uh, this is when Jake was probably really I think this is when he came back that he wasn't doing uh, all his uh, having his demons. As they say, <laughs> yes, uh, but he clearly was. <laughs> he does yeah. not. He does not look good. No, this was. He had the weird like vest when he came back in early '96, but around the end of like the summer, he went back to just the tights. But he, you know, he wasn't tan, Jake the Snake, and he's a little more out of shape, and he's starting to lose the hair a little bit more. Doesn't look as um, menacing as he did a few years prior. But nonetheless, I mean, I was happy as a uh, as a pig in shit that Jake the Snake was back in '96. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I oh, Jake is awesome. Um, but I I, th- I think they should have at one point maybe had because you don't realize how big and tall Jake is. Yeah. Um, and so I think at the beginning of the match, maybe Jake should have ran over and grabbed Corey or uh, <laughs> or Sean just so you could have seen because when Vader stands, Vader's also a pretty big guy. So it's like. When, when, when you see them uh, next to each other, you don't realize how big these guys actually are. So if Jake would have went over and like grabbed Corey and, uh, you know, something like that, and then Vader could have pushed him off, uh, I think that would have been more effective. But. 
hundred percent agree. I love you breaking down the psychology of the uh, <laughs> of the match too for a television show. That's wonderful. Uh, that's like uh, it's kind of weird. It's a a scripted match in a scripted sitcom. It's kind of like um, is that like Frankenstein becoming a real monster? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, <laughs> it's it's a so script inside of scripts. <laughs> yeah, tons of scripting going on right now. Uh, but nonetheless multiple appearances for vader and the storyline was and this is why we just see the clip of the match uh cory and sean have to leave to go to a dance back and forth so that's why they keep leaving it's very easy to leave the philadelphia spectrum and go to the dance and then come back through the backstage area of the philadelphia spectrum back to the ring anybody can do it yeah that seems real simple (laughs) uh another thing is is the, the the town they live in is clearly i mean you could call it philadelphia but it's definitely one of the outlying yes. suburbs, <laughs> the suburbs. Of, yeah, of the city. <laughs> and even if it was in Center City, the the spectrum and, uh, you know, well, or what is now the link and the Wells Fargo Center and all that stuff, the, those the, they're not right next to Center City. I mean, no. even <laughs> even a car ride would take five, five to 15 minutes, depending on traffic. Is this supposed to be like Lancaster, PA? I mean, you know, is that, is that what it's supposed to be? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, they say Philadelphia. Not I'm Lancaster, sure Langhorn, I meant Langhorn. Yeah, Lancaster would be way out Lancaster's there. Lancaster's out in Amish country, my bad. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I definitely think that, uh, that it would have taken, it would have been, they would not have been able to get to the spectrum, out to the suburbs and back before like a match ended or before a few matches ended. Well, I know your name's Midnight Mike, but we have to change your name to Doubting Thomas uh, for this uh, this rendition of uh, the Boy Meets World clip. So check it out. That's on YouTube. It's about a five-minute clip. You see the lead-up and then the match. Uh, we're going to move on to the silver screen here. Uh, we will come back to uh, the television in, in a few minutes. Uh, this was an interesting one that I remember hearing about. I've seen the movie, but I did not see it in its original theatrical run. But remember having people come up to me at school in seventh grade to tell me, You'll never guess who had a cameo in Major Pain. Now, Major Pain was the Damon Wayans uh, uh, vehicle, not taking on any of his known characters from In Living Color, a weird, uh, like, disgraced, crappy drill sergeant. Um, but the Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow, getting a cameo in the movie Major Pain. Do you remember this cameo? Oh, I a lot. I love this movie. Uh, and now that you mentioned Major Pain, or uh, not Damon Wayans in In Living Color, in Living Color, The Simpsons, Married with Children, these are all things that I watched around this time. Um, but yes, my dad is the one who saw this movie. And as soon as it came out on uh, the, where you could illegally get it from the black box, yes, he, yeah, he showed it to me and he was like, oh, you're going to this this movie so funny. And we watched it. And when Major or when B- Bigelow came out, I was like, Dad, I was like, that's Bam Bam Bigelow. And, and, he, and then he recognized him, too, because he would watch wrestling with me on occasion. Uh, but yeah, I, I, great cameo. I think he did a great job in the role. Uh, uh yeah, it, it is perfect character, uh, for a, uh, a hitman biker. Cause that's what he was playing. And it's weird. You would think that Bam Bam would have had more movie roles like this because he did fit so perfectly in this role and, you know, menacing on the motorcycle coming up and he plays it perfectly. You end up getting beat up by uh major pain, which is, is kind of funny, but you know, if you think about it, 1995 is a big year for Bam Bam Bigelow. He's main eventing WrestleMania, <laughs> and he's getting a major motion picture role. Yeah, I'd say this is probably the peak of his uh, his career. But also, once again, being the what I because what I do is I critique movies, and watching this, I 
once again, it's a comedy, so you can't take anything too too seriously or anything like that. But and I but and I do think Major Payne, the character, would beat the biker Bam Bam Bigelow because he's a friggin' like special forces marine. Right. Uh, but Bam Bam would have put up more of a fight than that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he did get him with like a throat punch, you know, in the trip and whatever. And I I didn't love Major Payne. I I I thought it was very annoying. I thought his voice is very annoying. I just it wasn't. This I will watch it and enjoy it if I see it on uh, HBO, but this is not really? one that I'm going to see. I just I don't know. I don't. I didn't love this one. See, I feel like this movie's quotability is through the roof. And the and the funny thing is, when I a few years after this, I went to military school for a few years, and uh, they of course as soon as you get there, they they shave your head. Now not not big shave, but they cut it down to as short as it's going to go. And I have big ears and freckles. So <laughs> I looked like the cartoon freckled kid that they, uh, that they make fun of. Yes. That's who I looked like when I first got to military school. <laughs> I believe he is the Shermanator uh, yes. from American pie. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's the first time the Shermanator's ever been uh, referenced on new generation declassified and possibly any podcast that I've ever done. There you are right there. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep, that was me. Except even worse, I had glasses at the time. Oh my gosh! So let's just add to it. <laughs> Man, you were just dying to get picked on, huh? That was, oh, uh... <laughs> dude, I went through the worst awkward phase in, in the world. That's okay. I had my uh, glasses and my, you know, hair over my uh, face, so you know, I wasn't really knocking down the the fashion barriers and look barriers either. All right, this is my favorite cameo of this era of the TV or the video. Uh, this is the movie Life with Mikey. I believe 1993 or 1994. Michael J. Fox um, playing basically a down-on-his-luck uh, like uh, agent, talent scout, uh, looking for the next big superstar. He was a child star growing up who had fallen into this uh, agent role. Everybody remembers him from the commercials. I uh, believe like a Mikey's like, uh, you know, what is it? Life cereal kind of thing. And... Um, this this movie features a awesome cameo <laughs> of Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Now, Jerry Lawler not playing Jerry Lawler. He's playing a masked character. The name escapes me. But this is great. <laughs> oh, there's Tony Khan right there, if you see in the uh, the picture. That does look like Tony Khan. <laughs> Holy shit. It's a little nerdy kid with curly hair and glasses. Uh, but this is great. So Michael J. Fox in his Spin City era, in, in this wrestling match, but it looks like almost like the USWA, but they're both in the WWF when this movie's made. Yeah, I, I had never, this is the one, I had never seen this clip. Um, oh, and there's, uh, there, that, that, that's the uh, main uh, Bernard, yes. that kid who just threw up from the Santa Claus, who yes. later came out on Raw and was made fun of for being fat and out of shape, and yes. then Mick Foley scolded all of us. Yes, yes, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> Bernard um, was always a great asshole uh, in, in these movies. But well, is this is this a is this a film or is this a TV show? This is a film. It's a great movie. You would like it. I, I have to say, from this era, it's you know it's a, it's a kids movie, but it's got a lot. There's Harvey Whippleman right there. Uh, it's got a lot of rewatchability. Uh, but this is they're they're attending a wrestling match for the birthday of the girl that Michael J. Fox is trying. Oh, excuse me. It's I believe Mike. I, it somebody takes him to. Scratch that. It's Michael J. Fox's birthday. They take him here as a surprise. And she's the girl he's trying to woo as the next big thing. Or maybe I'm wrong. What I was is right the, the first time. Um, what, <laughs> okay. What is the motivation of, of the producers of this movie not to have Jerry Lawler just play himself? I don't know. I don't know. See, it's tough. It says tough wear right there. 
but yeah, Jerry Lawler, he cuts a promo at the end. He drops the pile driver twice. But I just love the time it gets in this movie. This is a pretty lengthy scene for a wrestling match uh, of Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler in 1994. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it definitely highlights wrestling. I don't think that a lot of times, like like in this in the Urkel one, they'll have uh, the the stars of the show or the movie uh, all of a sudden just be like it's easy. Anyone can do it. Wrestle. Uh, in this, I feel like they pay more respect to to the to the wrestlers. And Michael J. Fox comes in; he just gets destroyed. Uh, and there's no there's no cast in the movie. It seems from what we see in this clip, where the cast just gets in the ring and makes the wrestler look stupid. No, you see the actual match. Look, Jeff Jarrett hits the yeah. buckle, he gets clothesline. Uh, actually, there are no buckles on these uh, posts, so that's got to be it's pretty like dangerous. Let's let's pay attention to Tony Khan here again. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Michael J. Fox. That's great. But if you have never seen this, this is a good one. I, I will say you, if you will get a little touch of man, I wish I saw this in uh, 94 uh, when you watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I didn't, I thought it was for some reason, just a one season short lived TV show, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. So again, on YouTube, if you want to watch it yourself, uh, we'll close this one out with uh, back to the TV. Now, you mentioned Baywatch earlier. Baywatch famously has the uh, the Bash at the Beach 1995 matches of uh, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, and Vader and Hulk Hogan and Steel Cage uh, to win the honor of the beach or whatever they're fighting for. They're fighting for ownership of the beach because I think Kevin Sullivan and Ric Flair are trying to buy it. Some stupid, stupid yeah. storyline. Uh, but this one channels their inner World Wrestling Federation superstar and we see the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, playing a bodyguard. And I'm sure that this this came out around the time when, when Pamela was a guest for WrestleMania, right? Yep. I would. This came well, technically aired in '96, but for all we know, back then it was filmed uh, the the first week of 1995. Okay, because uh, this the, when I watched when I watched this, um, not only was I reminded of why I watched Baywatch uh, as a, as a kid uh, with Pamela's bathing suit. But also, this is so much better done than the WCW guys coming in because yes, Sean yes. plays a serious character. He doesn't do horrible. Uh, and at least he's not just a wrestler on a beach being like, Rrr. he's like playing a bodyguard or a hitman or whatever. I get just like a thug, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about him in this role? I thought he I thought he did pretty good. I mean, for a wrestler, I didn't think he did that bad. It's there. I mean, obviously, the writing is a little cheesy. Uh, but that, you know, Sean didn't write it. And uh, and it, once again, I'm comparing it directly because it's so comparable to the WCW one, which was complete cheese. You know, this this is a he's playing. He's not Sean Michaels. He's playing. I forget his name. It's like Vinny or something. He's like, yeah, yeah it, I, I much better than I was. I was pleasantly surprised because uh, I, I probably hadn't seen this since it aired. I thought I was going to get what WCW did. I thought Shawn Michaels was going to show up on the beach with David Hasselhoff or whatever in his heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels tights and all of that stuff. Um, and that's what I fully expected. And I actually got a character. I got a role. So in comparison to what WCW did, I am fully on board and fully okay with this. I mean, once again, his acting could be maybe a little better, but he's not an actor. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is in a way, but I was happy with this. I was I was impressed because it wasn't as cheesy as I thought it would be. It wasn't like when Mike Piazza was on the show and it was like, hey, there's Los Angeles Dodgers catcher Mike Piazza. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, here's the scene right here where he's walking on the beach. Like he was standing up at his car. 
in a full suit a full suit <laughs> and then out of nowhere he's in those wrestler like short shorts uh bathing suit uh like right there he could have walked onto the beach in his in his oh oh sean i think i'm cute you know yeah but. <laughs> that, he looks exactly like he's got but the two they, they earrings in that. that's good <laughs> This is um this has to be now. This is definitely '96 when this is filmed. This is um click height champion Shawn Michaels. Uh, you could just tell, and this is the face I think that uh, the franchise Shane Douglas sees in his sleep and wants to slap still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, is he gonna be pissed you even covered Shawn? No, I could talk. We could talk about Sean all day long, but it's just uh, when I think of him not liking a certain guy, it's when Sean takes the uh, the sunglasses off and smiles, uh, chewing the gum. I think that's the guy that they uh, they vehemently all hated backstage. <laughs> well, you know what? He made it work. <laughs> he, 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 what's the saying? You know, well, I guess that you can't hate, you know, can't hate the player, hate the game. Um, um, he's also very gingerly taking an older woman away from the, the beach. Um, and like, you know, now he's have, Oh, she just tripped him. He just took a bump for the lady, Come but on. like he, he so gingerly like moved her down the beach. <laughs> Anybody could have caught her. Yeah. Why didn't he, they just have him throw her over his shoulder. They could have even used a stunt double and walked away. I don't know, but she's about to fall off a cliff here. Oh, there she goes. She Pamela Anderson basically could have just killed this lady. She just so blatantly slipped off mom. the cliff. Oh, is it? <laughs> it well, in in the story, that's her mom. I didn't remember mom. that. I didn't remember yeah. that. Because now here comes uh here comes oh it looks like uh Sean Michaels and it looks like uh Brother Martin Test Martin Brother Martin's <laughs> cousin. I, it's his not cousin. It's not Test, but it looks like him from a distance. No, his name's cousin Andrew. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Okay. Cousin Andrew Martin, uh, cousin of Brother Martin. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, then they just take them anyway, and then the, the scene cuts out. So now I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. Uh, and you know what? You're going to have to find out for yourself because that's where our scene ends. Uh, the other one I sent you that will not cover because it really wasn't anything. He had a reoccurring role as uh, Mountain Man Luther Ruth, I believe. Uh, Bret Hart on Lonesome Dove. Now, I did not watch Lonesome Dove. That was a CBS show, so it was for old people. And uh, I still have not watched Lonesome Dove to this day. Yeah, I, I I never watched it. And then after seeing the 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 clips of Bret Hart on Lonesome Dove, I definitely will not be watching Lonesome Dove. <laughs> but uh, all I can say is, first off, is that the town they live in, in, in Lonesome Dove, do we know if that's in Canada? I'm going to guess there was probably some filming going on in Canada because it because was very I mean, Canadian. <laughs> it looked Old West. Yeah. But Bret Hart did almost nothing to no. <laughs> get rid of his Canadian accent. No, he was like, uh, it was Bret Hart in a cowboy hat and a trench coat walking around, basically talking like Bret Hart and yeah. very robotic. Uh, but still, you know, he had a couple episode uh, spots on Lonesome Dove. So uh, good for Bret. Um, and hey, the famous WWF magazine, uh, where he's on the cover in the Lonesome Dove attire. Oh yeah! So there's your time. Was, wasn't he like up against a fence or something with his one foot up? Yeah, he's got the whole thing on. He's standing with yeah. the, the Lonesome Dove set in the background. Uh, I'm sure there's other ones. If there is, that's great to have you back uh, down the road at another time when we 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 find more. Uh, if we wanted to go the talk show route, we could be here for six months because you pull out some of those local news. That might be something we do. You pull out those local news shows, you know, Good Morning mm -hmm. uh, Illinois, and then boom, there's uh, Shawn Michaels. Or, hey, look, it's uh, it's the afternoon show in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and here's Big Daddy Cool Diesel. 
Those yep. things are great. There's one that this is another one. I'll give you a recommendation. I'll give everybody a recommendation. There's a, an appearance of Shawn Michaels on a Canadian home shopping network that is on YouTube. Ooh. It's like two hours long and Shawn Michaels ain't happy. And he is a sarcastic motherfucker the whole time. It is amazing to watch and it is long and it is worth your time <laughs> well who could blame him like what what a what a, what a crap job they're like oh you want to go do tv and and sean's like yeah i'll do tv and then he heads to the set and finds out he's selling spanks it's, or something well they were selling oh they were selling wwf merch in oh, okay, canada yeah. but the guy who's doing the like hosting is so over the top like all oh, the wrestlers oh no you're big and strong and burr and oh my! From the first minute, Shawn Michaels isn't having it, and it is—he is a sarcastic asshole the whole time. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely check that out too because that sounds hilarious. No, it's very, uh, very funny. But damn it, Midnight Mike! It was great to have you on and, and chat for the first time ever uh, to cross pollinate the two worlds. Yeah, I had, no, I had a great time, and uh, I'm glad. Like when when I could do wrestling, I'll do it. We used to do it on my show, uh, but gave up after five years because I just. When, when I can't enjoy the current product, watching the old product that I enjoy is depressing because <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. And I eventually just because my, my original co-host uh, was taking a step back and he's a big wrestling guy. Um, I just was like, we're not doing wrestling anymore. We're done with this unless it's a movie, you know, unless it's like ready to rumble, which we've already done. But you know what I'm saying? Like, unless it's a, a, a film that makes sense we're done with wrestling. So every now and then when I get to talk wrestling about a, a time frame that I, I know yeah. I really enjoy it. That's why I did this show. You know, it really saved uh, my podcasting uh, passion was to do something that I really enjoy doing. And this era is something that I felt didn't have a lot of spotlight on it as there's a spotlight shining on me from the back. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I like doing it and getting to talk to great people like yourself and hearing about your experiences is another reason why I love doing it. Sometimes I like that more than I actually like talking about the content. So this uh, this was good. If anybody wants to watch these, I'll drop them in the uh, the posting of this episode. Uh, but Midnight Mike, before we say goodbye, tell all the listeners of New Generation Declassified where they can find anything and everything going on in your world. Uh, well, my, my show, The Midnight Jury, is about to hit our nine-year anniversary. That's in, uh, in, in March. Uh, we're at WLWstudios.com. Uh, we can also be found on all the major podcast platforms, but you have to search Shining Wizards Network or SWN, and you could get us there. But I always suggest uh, finding us on our home at WLWstudios.com. Uh, also, uh, Midnight Mike Show on YouTube. I'm uh, That's M-I-D-N-I-T-E Mike Show. That's on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Twitch. But don't go to Twitch yet. I haven't set that up. But that's about it. Uh, we we do all 80s and 90s uh, throwback movies, horror, pop culture, all of that. Uh, every usually every live show we have an 80, uh, 80s trivia that you can play along with live on the show uh, through chat, and we have uh, Dr. Rocho on to do that. Uh, usually against my co-host, and it's it's fun. You know, the other reason you really popped on my radar is because knowing you're from the Northeast and seeing that you watch March of the Wooden Soldiers uh, <laughs> means you're from the New York, New Jersey area, because that is a Thanksgiving tradition that I still carry on to this day. But I want to uh, just give you absolute praise uh, for, for doing so. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't even realize it was just a Northeast thing. Uh, and then when I did, you know, research on it, I found that it uh, it was on what WPIX. Yep, which is, WPIX is, yep. Yeah, which is Channel 11. And but I didn't realize that no other, uh, um, you know, regions played it on Thanksgiving every year until yep. I kind of looked into it. 
Uh, but yeah, it's, it, you know, it, look, it was my first time using StreamYard. They specifically told me not to use the same computer to share screen. And I, I told you about how my yeah. internet is wonky sometimes. So yep. when people go and watch it, hey, it's, 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 it is what it is. It's my first time on StreamYard. Uh, but you, you can at least, even if you want to just listen to it and, and hear the, hear the commentary along, that's okay. And you can hear the audio. Okay. So I appreciate everyone checking it out, but, uh, I'll get that. I'll get any glitches fixed in the future. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, and I, you got, sometimes you got to learn the hard way with that. And that's how podcasting goes. You get to learn as you go. See with me, I have, I'm lucky my, my apparatus in front of me, I have a desktop behind the laptop. So that's how I'm able to bring those clips up on the side with no, but you know, with no issues, but sometimes if I'm working with Francine and we need something quick and I pull it up, you see how it starts to yeah. slow it down. But and that's unlike, awesome. Man. Unlike others, I like to uh, constantly, you know, get better at what I do. And since uh, video live streaming is brand new to me, even though I've been doing podcasting for nine years, I'm going to improve on it. Uh, I'm not just going to continue to put out crap. So. We would call you a student of the game, is what we would say in the uh, in the in the biz, as uh, as the the insiders uh, would claim to uh, to be. Uh, but midnight, Mike, this has been great. I would like to uh, have you back, and we will do that in the future. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter, on Instagram, it's at IB Exclusives. My website is ibexclusives.com. There you can find uh, all the things going on in my world with my autograph signings and all the great events I've got coming up. 2022 looking to be stacked already. And we'll get rolling into that as we move along. Uh, this website is tmptempire.com. All the podcasts under the TMPT Empire umbrella, including the shows on the Vince Russo, Russo brand and Channel Attitude. And my favorite show of the week, the Triple Threat Podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas every single week on the Russo brand. Also, eyes up here with Francine on Patreon, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast. Join us for four shows each week. Uh, Midnight Mike, the pleasure was all mine. Get back to me when you watch Life with Mikey, and uh, we'll see what your thoughts are then. So for the Midnight Jury, this is the Chad Stewart. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.